0: From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now verse 22, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, verse 25, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, verse 36, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would not see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. And that is God's word. Let's pray. Our God, thank you for this beautiful, sobering passage from the book of Acts. And as we as a church look at it today, we pray for the power, the illumination of your spirit. We ask that you'd open our eyes and our ears to to hear and to see what you want to say to your church. Fill us now with your spirit, we pray, and glorify Jesus in our midst. We ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. So if you've been with us for the past number of weeks, even months, you'll remember that here at Reality, we're in a sermon series looking at the book of Acts. And what we're doing each week is looking at a different passage that helps us understand what it means for us to be a church alive. We wanna be a church alive in London. So each week we're looking at a different passage and learning from it about how we can be a church that glorifies God and advances good in our city. Today, we come to Acts 20. And Acts 20 is a really interesting, unique passage in the book of Acts because it's the only speech given by an apostle that's directed to Christians. Every other speech in the book of Acts is spoken to people who are outside of the church, who are not part of the Christian faith. But here in Acts 20, we have a family conversation. We're eavesdropping as the Apostle Paul speaks to the elders of the church of Ephesus. And what we're going to see today in this passage is that a church alive is a church with leaders. Leadership is an important part of what it means to be a church family. Now, I should say at this point that many of you have experienced, and I think all of us have seen to one degree or another, that it's very painful when churches experience leadership failures. Some of you have seen in the news, prominent leaders of churches or ministries fail or fall. And some of you have been part of communities that you've actually experienced personally and up close failures of leadership. And when there's failures of leadership inside of a church, it can be profoundly painful. So we need to start by acknowledging that this is for many a difficult subject. But what I also hope we see is that the answer to bad leadership is not no leadership. It's Christ-centered leadership. And that's what Acts 20 helps us understand. What does leadership that reflects Christ and is shaped by the Bible look like? That's what we learn as Paul speaks to these elders from the church of Ephesus. Let me also say, this passage as it was originally given was a conversation between elders, between church leaders. But the fact is it has application for every Christian because anyone who's a Christian is actually called to be a leader. You're called to help other people know God and follow him. That's an act of leadership. And so while this passage is directly for those who are elders and in church leadership, actually many of the principles apply to all of us. And so we have something here to consider today about what healthy leadership inside of a church family is meant to look like. So let me show you three things from this passage. I want to show you first the character of leadership, then second, the heart of leadership, and then third and finally, the power for leadership. So the character of the leader, the heart of leadership, and the power we need for leading well. So first, what can we say about the character of leadership? It's pretty clear from the passage, but in verse 17, just to remind you, Paul calls the elders of the church of Ephesus. And at the end of the passage, we're clearly seeing that this is Paul's farewell. So Paul's talking to a group of leaders that he spent a lot of time with, but basically he's telling them, my ministry among you is finished. I'm leaving and we're never going to see each other again. So this is a goodbye. This is a farewell. And you know that if you've ever left your family or left a job or left a school, left something that was a big part of your life, when you get to the end and you're saying goodbye, that's always a time of two things. On one hand, you look back and you take inventory. You ask, how did I do? What legacy am I leaving? And you look forward and you want to give encouragement, you want to give a charge, you want to give some kind of guidance for the people that you're leaving behind. Well, that's exactly what Paul's doing here in this speech. He looks back and reflects on his own ministry at Ephesus, and he also looks forward to encourage the elders who were gonna carry on the church in his absence. Now, verses 19 through 21, Paul looks back, and he thinks about the own quality of his leadership as one of the leaders of this church. And in verses 19 through 21, Paul tells us three things that are absolutely essential for a leader whose character is shaped by the gospel. So let me show you three things that Paul saw in his own ministry that he's passing on to these other leaders in the church, the character of the leader. The first thing, verse 19, Paul says that humility is essential. In verse 19 of the passage, Paul says, I serve the Lord with great humility. Healthy leadership, according to Paul, starts with, it continues with, and it culminates in humility. What is humility? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's learning to think of yourself less. A humble person is someone who realizes that the world doesn't revolve around them. A humble person is other-centered. A humble person cares for the needs of others even more than they do for themselves. And Paul says, where do we start in thinking about the character of the leader? It starts with humility. It starts with leaders who don't think too highly of themselves. And I would suggest to you, you know, as we think about maybe ways we've experienced leadership hurt in our own lives or ways that you've seen in the news or in media leaders fall, I would propose to you, you show me someone who's fallen or had a crisis in leadership and I'll show you that along the way somewhere they forgot humility. They started thinking of themselves more highly than they ought. And what Paul is saying here is the foundation, the character character trait that started off as the foundation of my ministry among you is humility. Now, leaders need humility because when you're in a leadership position, you usually have some degree of power, some degree of authority, even some visibility. And what can happen slowly, even subtly, is that you start to think that the people you serve exist for you rather than you exist to serve them. That's the danger of leadership. Is people become a means to an end rather than those that you love and serve? And so Paul saying, it was humility that was the foundation of my ministry. And so I would say to you, I would say to the leaders in our church, we must be a community shaped by humility. Of course we must, because Jesus, our Lord, Jesus, our leader, humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. And so leaders who reflect Jesus are humble leaders. Second, not just humility, but love. Look at verse 20. Humility and now love. Paul says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. You know what Paul's saying there? I loved you. Here's what's interesting. The reason when Paul says, I haven't hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, what what Paul's saying is that along our journey together, sometimes I've had to tell you hard truths. Sometimes I've had to say things to you that you didn't want to hear. And when those moments came, I told you, I didn't hesitate. And that's a sign of love. It's very loving to say something to someone else that's hard for them to hear, but they need to hear it. Because many of us, when we think about saying a hard truth to another person, you know what we do, we think, how can I postpone this coffee? How can I reschedule? How can I pass this on to somebody else? We're conflict averse, many of us. And so it's an act of love when you say, even though this might risk a relationship, even though this takes me out of my comfort zone, this truth needs to be shared. And so I'm willing to make myself uncomfortable in order to share it with the person I'm talking to. Paul's saying, I love this church more than I did my own comfort. And so a sign of healthy leadership is love. Love that puts the good of the other person ahead of your own interests. Leaders that reflect Jesus are leaders marked by love because Jesus himself loved his own and he loved them to the end. So humility, love, and then verse 21, very interestingly, I'll call this characteristic inclusivity. Inclusivity. Verse 21, look at what Paul says, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance. Now we've seen this discussion about Jews and Greeks many times in our studies over the past few months in Acts, you'll remember perhaps that Jews and Greeks, there was a lot of hostility between those two communities in the first century. They were divided ideologically, racially, culturally, religiously. And yet Paul says as he carries out his ministry in the church, his message is for Jews and Greeks alike. In other words, Paul as a leader played no favorites. He was not showing partiality. He was a leader who served the whole church, no matter their background, no matter their temperament. He loved the whole church that God brought. And so leaders who reflect Jesus must be impartial. Leaders who reflect Jesus must not play favorites. Paul says, this is how I carried out my ministry among you, humility, love, and inclusivity. May our church be marked by leaders who have those characteristics. May we lead all of us in this city reflecting Jesus in those ways, the character of the leader. But second, let me now show you the heart of leadership. Come down with me to verse 28. Paul now has moved from looking back to his own ministry. And now in verse 28, he's looking forward and he's giving a charge. He's telling the elders of the church, this is what I want you to do. This is what you need to carry out into your future. And look at what he says right in the middle of verse 28 be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. If I had to use one word to describe the heart of Christian leadership, it would be that word shepherds. That's the best single word to summarize what it means to be a leader in God's church. It means to be a shepherd. Now, throughout the Bible, the way God speaks about his people, he calls them sheep. In fact, as early as the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, God himself says that he is the shepherd of his people. His people are sheep. Later, Jesus would say, I am the good shepherd. So part of the way that God in Jesus relates to the church, to his people, is a shepherd-sheep relationship. And friends, that's very humbling because if you know anything about sheep, they are particularly needy and unintelligent creatures. And that's the main image God uses to describe you and I. We are sheep. And you know that if you've ever been around sheep, they are defenseless. They have zero defense mechanisms. If a wolf comes, they're just, that's it, we're finished. <laughs> they have no defense mechanism. They also are pack animals in the worst sense. If the guy in front of you walks off the cliff, you follow. And they pl- you see it, they just plunge to their death. They have no ways to navigate and to get food for themselves. In other words, a sheep's survival is completely dependent upon a shepherd. And God, throughout the Bible, says, I'm the shepherd of my people. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. But wonder of wonders, God, in his mysterious wisdom, has also said that I'm going to raise up humans as under-shepherds to lead in the church. And elders in the church are meant to be shepherds who represent Jesus as the chief shepherd. It's a stunning thing that God has done. I'm your shepherd and I'm raising up human beings to represent me to you. That's what it means to be a shepherd in the church. And so for this part of the sermon, I am talking most directly, even though it'll apply to all of us, most directly to elders, to those who have a role of spiritual leadership in the church, what is it that shepherds do? What is it that elders are meant to do in the church community? Three things. Shepherds know the flock, they lead the flock, and they protect the flock. And that's what elders are supposed to do in the church. Let me unpack those three things. First, shepherds know their flock. If you've ever seen bunches of sheeps, bunches of flocks get intermingled together, I've seen this once. So you have a couple of shepherds with different flocks and they all come to one pasture land. And then as soon as it's time for one flock to move on, the shepherd is able to look at a mass of sheep and to be able to quickly distinguish, that's my sheep, that's my sheep, that's not my sheep, and find their own. It's an amazing thing. And what we learn from that image, what we see throughout the Bible, is elders, shepherds are meant to know their sheep. And when you read through Acts 20 and you see, especially at the end, the intimacy that Paul has, the closeness, they're weeping, they're saying goodbye. You see that Paul related to this church, not like a colleague. He wasn't like a team member. They were a family. And when Paul's saying goodbye, their hearts are broken because of the relational closeness and intimacy. Paul knew the church and the church knew him. Not only that, but... Elders are meant to know the dangers that are around the church, the needs of the church. For example, we're a church in London. We need elders who know and love this city, who know the joys and the challenges of life in this city, who can support and care for you as you navigate rising flat prices and difficulty in finding jobs and the spiritual temptations that come our way because of the city that we live in. Elders know the sheep. That's the first. The second thing that we learn about shepherds, though, they don't just know the flock, but they also lead the flock. If you come with me down to verse 28, Paul says to the elders, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. That order is very important. Paul's saying, basically, you're not going to care well for others if you're not taking care of your own soul. In other words, it's leadership by example. It's showing other people the way to follow God because you yourself are walking down that road. And Paul says, spiritual leaders lead by example. They keep watch over their own life. And let me say this clearly, as clear as I can. Paul's not saying that leaders in the church are meant to be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. But he is saying that even in your weakness and brokenness, you run to Jesus and that's part of your leadership that elders, leaders are able to say, I'm a great sinner and Jesus is a great savior. Let me show you how I run to Christ for his grace. So leading by example is not pretending to be perfect. It's honesty about your brokenness and the sufficiency of Jesus' grace. One of my personal heroes was a Scottish minister in the 1800s. You're saying, Bijan, come on, Marvel's out there. You should get other heroes In the 1800s, there was a pastor. He led a church in Dundee and he said to his church, the greatest need of my people, the greatest gift that I can give all of you is my own personal holiness. What he recognized is the most important skill in leadership is not preaching good sermons or being really effective in pastoral care. Those things are important. But the greatest gift that any leader can give you is their own closeness to Jesus Christ, their own holiness, showing you the way to God and his grace. So leaders lead by example. And then third, shepherds protect the flock. We've already mentioned this, but sheep have no defense mechanism. So if they're gonna survive, it's going to be because a shepherd is willing to put their own body between the sheep and danger. They're willing to lay down their life for the sheep. Now, verses 29 through 31, I'm not going to read them all, but Paul basically says there's danger out there. The church lives under the threat of danger. There's false teaching and there's false teachers. There is manipulative people who want to advance their own agendas at your expense. And Paul says it's your job to protect the church. It's your job to put yourself between the sheep and danger. And that means promoting faithfulness to the Bible. It means praying for the church. It means caring for the church. It means confronting incorrect teaching and engaging gently but boldly with those who would seek to wreak havoc in the community. Paul says there's danger out there and you as leaders are called to protect the church by giving your own self and even putting yourself in the way of danger shepherds know the church they lead the church they protect the church but that leads us to ask finally well where do we get the power for leadership i mean even as i've been describing these things leaders are humble they lead with love they know the church they lead by example they are willing to give themselves up to protect the church when i preach this sermon i've been thinking about this now for a few months i say who is sufficient for these things I mean, who can lead like that? How can we as a church have these kind of leaders and be these kind of leaders? Well, the power we need is in verse 35. Verse 35 is the last thing that Paul ever said to these elders. And it's the place we need to end our sermon. Because in verse 35, Paul ends his speech by quoting the words of the Lord Jesus. And he says, it is more blessed To give than to receive. That's what Jesus said. What is the essence of leadership? It's giving, not taking. It's serving, not being served. It's leading by example, not domineering over. And there's never been a leader better than Jesus Christ in the history of the universe. Because these words in verse 35 it's more blessed to give than to receive. These words are not just something Jesus said. It's a description of what Jesus himself did. Jesus gave everything for his people. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's what Jesus did. He humbles himself and he goes to the cross. Jesus demonstrates his love by dying in your place. And right now, at the right hand of God the Father, Jesus lives to do what? To know his church. To lead his church. To protect his church through his prayers and intercession. Jesus is the good shepherd that this church needs. And to the degree that all of you, to the degree that our leaders see Jesus as the good shepherd, that's where we get the power we need to lead well. So I'd say to you, As a leader, I'd say to the leaders of this community, what's the power for leadership? It's remembering that after all, you're just a sheep, but Jesus is the good shepherd. See, many of us carry anxiety and fear and regret. We're very aware of the ways we failed. We're aware of the ways we failed people in our lives. We're aware of the ways we failed ourselves. We fall short of the bar of leadership all the time. You're just a sheep and Jesus is the shepherd. The greatest gift that you can give to people around you is to say, there's no better shepherd than the Lord Jesus. Let's go to him together. Let's experience his grace together. Let's experience his renewing love together. Very shortly after I was ordained as a pastor, this is almost 10 years ago now, a wise older pastor friend emailed me and he shared with me this note. He was reflecting on the failure of Peter. I don't know if you remember, there was a time in Peter's life where Peter failed Jesus dramatically. It was the ultimate leadership failure. And Jesus came to Peter and he met him with grace. And this pastor friend wrote to me and he said this, when Peter saw the glory of Jesus, he asked him to go away. He knew that his vision of Jesus was much too small, as is yours and as is mine. Jesus knew this too. But notice, Jesus did not leave, nor will he leave you. He forgives you and he always will. Even more amazing, Jesus will use you, despite the fact that you will get things badly wrong lots of times and despite the fact that you'll get something wrong every time. This is the grace and the love of Jesus that he uses imperfect people. And so friends, remember, even on your best day, even when you do the best job you can, your motives could have been purer, your words could have been truer, your care could have been deeper. We always fall short, and Jesus never has. You're a sheep, and he's the good shepherd the best gift that we can give to others is to run to the grace of Jesus and be renewed by his healing and by his love. That's what it means to be a leader in the church. Let's pray and ask God to do these things in our midst. Our God, thank you for this time of reflection. Thank you for this time of considering Acts 20 and what it means to have healthy leadership in a church. We pray now as we come to this time of response that you would meet us by the power of your spirit that you would form within us a community of humility and love, a community of people who give and don't take, who lead by example, and who have a heart to serve rather than to be served. Do that now for your glory and the good of this city, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.